Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you again for the opportunity to speak to your members. Um, before we begin, I just wanted to acknowledge the uh, traditional custodians of the land in which we all reside and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. So how is wellbeing critical to the future of leadership? I came across this um, amazing tool two years ago um, that I've actually found I have used um, much more often when I'm doing executive coaching or leadership coaching. And the more I get into wellbeing and understanding the impact of wellbeing for myself and for the leaders I work with, I think it's critical to the future of leadership. I think it's a really important um, uh, area that leaders need to be conscious of. So my topic is around how does it connect to the future of leadership and this concept of how do we learn about our own well-being first so we can actually live it and then we're more likely to lead it and model it to the people that we're leading before we can actually get to the point of embedding um, well-being as a natural thing to do in our organisations. So as Sarah said, I want it to be interactive. I'm not a presenter that likes just presenting. I like to know my audience is there. So I would welcome you to, whenever I ask you at different points, put your comments in the chat, please. So here's your, a, a taster of, of what we're gonna do in terms of this interaction. On a scale of one to 10, where 10 is you are absolutely thriving, and a one is you're not going too well, you're languishing. Where would you say your well-being is today? Yeah. So in the chat, just write a number anywhere between one and 10 of overall sense of how you're going in terms of your own well-being. Put it in the chat, please. Put a number in the chat, please. Okay, so we've got a range of scores coming through. Lots of eights. This is impressive. I'm, I'm really impressed. You're against the norm in terms of what's happening in the general population. So I'd be curious to know what is it you're doing to that enables you to be buoyant. So let's have a look then um, of this topic. So I... I I wrote this as the blurb for the, um, the session today, and I think it sort of rings true. We, we live in an era now where our workforces and our families are wanting different interactions and a different way of being, whether you're parenting, whether you're leading, whether you're a team member. And that this different way of being is about being more respectful to how you have conversations. Diversity and inclusion, um, you know, women, women being pr promoted, um, being accepting of really diverse people. Actually, it comes from respect and how we actually are respectful in conversation. But I think to be respectful in conversation, it actually links to how we're going in our own well-being. And so the key here is leaders are more required now to know thyself 
you know, which means in terms of well-being, understanding and learning how they can work well and live well. So a lot of the presentation today is going to be focused around what is this thing called well-being and what does working well look like and what does living well look like? And so the first aspect of that is knowing how we're going as an individual first before we're able to lead that well for the, um, the people we lead or given many of you are in safety professional roles, how do you influence? Because I'm sure your role is a lot about influencing your organisation around this topic. So a little bit about me, um, uh, Sarah mentioned a few of them. I've actually been coaching since 2001, so 21 years now. Uh, prior to that, I was a HR professional. And prior to that, I was a teacher, high school teacher. Um, but I've trained uh, over 7,800 um, 7, leaders to use a coaching approach. Um, and I'll be talking about that a bit later. And in my one-to-one -one coaching, well-being seems to be the hot topic at the moment. And prior to COVID, work-life balance was the number one topic. And it was like the universe was telling us everyone just stop. And that's when COVID hit and everyone did stop and, and were able to have a more integrated lifestyle with their work. I'm passionate about solution focus and uh, Sarah mentioned that as well. Um, and solution focus can be a set of tools that you use in terms of how you can't have progress focused conversations, but it also can be a mindset because we live in a deficit world and you look at our news currently, all we hear about is what's not working in the world. You know, there's so much around the impact of the floods, the impact of what's happening in Ukraine, and it's not really pleasant. And so if you can have this mindset of being solution-focused, um, it's how do you make progress when, when things notice the useful change that's going on. And I've been in contact with an amazing consultant, solution-focused consultant in Ukraine, and she's just doing that every day. She's looking at how can we create plans for moving forward rather than just ruminate over what's, what is going on. Um, as Sarah mentioned, I've worked in a number of sectors. I love ocean swimming and I got connected to that about five years ago and I um, now uh, mentor ocean swim, people learning to ocean swim and swim in ocean swim events. I live in Sydney, have a husband and two daughters and I work closely with Mark Wright also who has the health and safety index that he's been a presenter on this as well. So my first poll is, has your own well-being been impacted over the last two years, especially with COVID? Has it been impacted? Yes or no? Please make a choice. Yes or no? Has it been impacted? Okay, Nelly there, um, Annette. Fabulous, thank you. Four seconds, all right. There you go. Okay. So I'd be curious, what has impacted in a positive way? If you could write it in the chat, what is one thing that you've been pleased about 
in how over the last two years it's had a positive impact. What is it that has made a positive impact on your well-being over the last two years? We've got some response. More time with family. Yes, thank you, Scott. Exercise. Thanks, Miranda. Gaining perspective. Lovely. Thanks, Sharon. Um, spending less money. I would agree with that. I think that was Claire that said that. Uh, oh, Katrina, got you a better job. Awesome. Um, Tamsi, less time traveling. Yes, I've lived in this room for the last two years. Flexible work. Yes. And and work and, and outside of work being integrated. Um, uh, so so many people have said they've enjoyed that being able to switch from um, you know uh, just purely focused on work, but could put a load of washing on or you know do something um, in their day. So it's integrated. Um, Susan said took time out for the workforce for self care. Yeah. And Alana said, well-being has become the forefront of general conversation. Yes, yes. And it's not a stigma anymore. Exactly. Thanks, Belinda. A lot more energy. Yes. Um, my wife, I'm, I'm curious about your response there in terms of oh, being around your wife more. Has it been, Noel, in terms of the impact? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually had well-being on the radar of our lives uh, for what's happened over the last couple of years. So what I'm going to be covering today is what is wellbeing um, and how it relates to leaders and the importance it has. And, and like all of you know that safety has been elevated in a lot of organisations given COVID to have more of a voice at a senior level. And I think now well-being is having more of an impact at a senior level as well. Then I'm going to describe to you this um, survey called the Global Leadership Wellbeing Survey or the GLWS profile. Um, and I see it as being the first step in educating leaders on their own well-being because we can't have a culture within an organization that is wanting to have this positive focus on well-being when leaders are modeling something quite different. So this is a really good tool to help people understand their own well-being so that they can model it better for their organization and then move towards embedding a culture of it. So, um, and then it's, this is going to be one like you're in the movie and watching the movie at the same time where you'll be, listening through a lens of how you can impact your own organization around well-being but also your own yeah and, and what is it that you can do to increase your own well-being because it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a moving target because different things happen in our lives that impacts our well-being and then I'd like to open up to questions at some point so are you one of these people who help to fill the balloon up or do you deflate it? And I think there's a lot more being said in leadership literature around our energy, you know, and what energy are we bringing to our work? And um, for some of us, we, um, it's great to be around certain people because they lift us, they inflate us, 
yeah and it's great to be around it and they've obviously had put things into place that they're taking care of themselves because they're not negatively impacting us but then there's the ones who are the doom and gloom and woe is me type people so every time you interact with them it's deflating and you lose your energy around them so something to think about where's your energy levels and what where is it that you um what lifts you you know so that you can keep buoyant and help lift others and and what gets in that the way and I know for me, I had a bit of a um, crossroads in my career a few years ago because now I run my own business. But a few years ago, I had a real crossroads because I was a workaholic, you know, and I had not much in my life other than my work um, and an occasional go for a walk with my husband. But I was very work focused. And apparently, work, being a workaholic impacts a lot of us it's a society thing but at that time I was at a crossroads going you know what my well-being is being impacted here I was incredibly anxious because the role I was doing was huge and I could never feel like I was on top of it at any stage so I thought the way to do better was to work harder and now I realize actually that was really wrong. I was not taking care of my own well being at that point. So, your own well being actually impacts your leadership, and your leadership then impacts your team or the organization's culture. And then the culture impacts our well being. So, if we don't put the oxygen mask on first, then we're more likely to get scooped up into the approach or the energy level or what is going on in the organisation and not being able to have any boundaries at all. So the first step is about understanding your own well-being. So I'm curious, a bit of audience participation. Second poll is, have you heard about the Global Leadership Wellbeing Survey? Just curious around that. And while you're answering, I'll have a sip of water. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Okay, so 21% of you have. Awesome, thank you very much and 79% haven't. So I'm gonna give you a quick thumbnail sketch of what it is and um, how I've used it with my clients and also to give you a bit of a case study of 50 leaders who went through it and the impact it had. But that 21% who have do know about it, have you had your own profile done? If you could just put in the chat, yes, if you've had your own profile done, uh, put it in the chat just for that 21% yes. Okay. Oops, more I missed. So no, no, haven't done it, but you've heard about it. Great. All right. So I'm going to treat this like um, uh, 
for all those no's, uh, you know, starting from the beginning and, and giving you a thumbnail sketch of, of what this tool does. Yeah. So the definition used by the um, eConsense, who's the company who administer the Global Leadership Wellbeing Survey, they've defined wellbeing as this. And what I love about it is it's very holistic. So it's looking at work and, out, uh, work and, in, and outside of work. So well-being implies a sense of thriving, flourishing, being fully alive, firing on all cylinders and living life to the full, as well as feeling balanced and calm, contented and at ease with life. Yeah. So if I think about me back a few years ago, I was not firing on all cylinders. I was not flourishing, you know. Um, I was very much trying to, I was looking down most of the time going, well, what's the next task I have to do even all weekend I was doing. So I wasn't really thriving and life wasn't at ease at that time. So if we look at it this way, that um, well-being is a balancing act between our assets the things that we already have in place. So many of you who had higher scores, like a seven or eight out of 10, you're probably doing some things on this side that is depositing into your wellbeing bank account. So you're either exercising regularly, um, having support emotionally, having great relationships, um, looking after yourself mentally, socially and spiritually, you know, and there's things that are obviously working for you. We call those our assets. But then the liabilities are the things that impact us, life challenges that impact us. Um, so I'm thinking about COVID has impacted us all. And um, the war in Ukraine has in, is impacting us because we're just seeing such horrible scenes and the, in, the, the, the worry of where, whether we're going to go into a world war or not. So it's a balancing act. If we don't have enough things impacting our assets, then when life happens and these things get um, thrown at us, impacting us, then it can actually really rock us. And it's more likely that we can keep it more even keeled if we've been taking care of ourselves and having those things in place that enables us not to go too far off the sea, you know, as a seesaw. It's not dipping too much when those life challenges happen to us. So this is if we think of the normal distribution curve of our population, this is where people sit. And this is actually pre-COVID, this research was, based on the people who'd um, completed this global leadership survey um, and, and, and our general population. So back two years ago, 20% of us were thriving, 30% of us were striving, 30% of us were struggling and 20% of us were languishing. But interesting enough, look what's happened in the last two years. Look where that bell curve is now. Yep. So many of us are more struggling and languishing than ever before. And this is really impacting 
people at work with all the challenges that have been going on. So if we're looking this from an organizational perspective, some organizations are still thriving. Yeah. So the focus organizationally is how do you sustain that? The ones that are striving, how do you promote positively in terms of what is happening? Struggling, how do you prevent it from declining even more? And the languishing is, you know, how do you actually help people move up, move up to feeling better? Yeah. And this comes down to leaders, you know, in terms of uh, knowing how, how to do this. So I'm going to explain to you the GLWS framework. Um, and what I'd like you to do is self-rate as I explain each side. So I want you to give yourself a score out of five. And the five is that's always like you, that you have great, healthy, uh, authentic relationships inside of work or outside of work. So I want you to write uh, a five either side you know, or what is your score either side as I explain these. Um, four is usually like you, three sometimes, two is rarely, and one is never. Yeah. So as I go through each of what we call these dimensions, I'll give you a moment to go score yourself on a work front, on a home front. How would you see yourself in terms of these, each of these dimensions? So let's begin. Let's look at authentic relationships. And I suppose, and, and social connection, I think, is the other way of putting it. And these authentic relationships that are basically what's happening inside of work. Are we okay to be ourselves? Are we okay to be share that, you know, if we're not in a great place, that we 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 can be vulnerable? For others and it, it's it's seen as okay to do that um, but do we feel supported by our immediate boss in terms of authentic relationships um, and that we can say how it really is of what's going on for us so that's our inside of work um, and if any of you have read that book first break all the rules um, Marcus Buckingham he said we tend to thrive at work when we have a best friend at work, someone who we can share our experiences with. And, and the other thing that's really, really important that Harvard done a, a review on, a survey on, uh, sorry, research on, is people leave bosses. They don't leave organisations. So that's why that relationship between your immediate manager is really, really important. Yeah. And then outside of work, um, I've really learned from my experience of my mom um, who went into aged care in November, uh, yeah, November last year. She'd been on her own in her home during lockdown for the, that two year period. And I noticed her decline because she wasn't getting any social connection other than because she lived two hours north from where I live, I couldn't get to see her much. So her interactions with people was like down to 15 minutes a day when a carer would come and help her shower. I've noticed such a profound difference in her own well-being by being in a care facility and having that daily interaction. 
and she is thriving now. And I, I wouldn't have know, known what an impact social connection can have on people so much until I observed it in my own mother. Um, so do you have families, friends, people outside of work that you can connect to and be really open with in terms of how you're going? Yeah. So make a judgment on a scale of one to 10 that, yep, you definitely have those things in place and they're there all the time. Um, or you sometimes have it or actually no, that's, that's actually really lacking for you. Um, so make that score on a work front and on a home front. So let's now look at meaning, purpose and direction. This one is, and I think a great example of this is Ash Barty in the last 24 hours who has retired. And if you listen to what she's describing, it wasn't doing it for her anymore, playing tennis. Yet she wanted something more to her life than playing tennis. She'd reached her goals, she'd reached her dreams, and she could see so much more for herself outside of this work she was doing, sport, being an elite athlete. That's what meaning, purpose and direction is. Living a good and full life because there's something bigger than you that you're driven by. And there's a real sense of meaning and purpose behind what you're doing. And this happens inside of work and outside of work. For some people outside of work, they've got a real community connection, something that they love to do to help support the community. Yeah. Or inside of work, it's the work that you're doing that actually you rise to that because it actually has so much meaning, you're passionate about it. So if I talk about um, uh, some of the people I've been working with, I did a project last year with 50 school principals who were impacted. These were the um, schools that were impacted by bushfires and floods. And they'd had a really difficult time over the last couple of years. And so they were given extra support. So I, I myself and two other coaches, we did this profile with them and we um, then did three coaching sessions with them. And for a particular profession, meaning, purpose and direction seemed to be very much higher than other sectors I'd worked with. And so it was like it was a calling for being, you know, a teacher and then going into being a principal. So they had something greater to work towards. Oh. Yeah, that's all I saw about that one. So rate yourself on do you get it through work or do you get that meaning and purpose through direction or do you get it through both? Yeah, what, how would you rate yourself there? Um, back on meaning, purpose and direction, it connects with authentic relationships as well. Um, I did a recent post on LinkedIn around community and how being connected to some form of community group, whether it's a group like this that you, you interact with um, or it's, you know, a group of safety professionals in a professional development sense or is it a group that you're with outside of work, you're into the church or you're into um, a scouting group or whatever, that gives us meaning and purpose, that connection to something bigger than just ourselves. 
So now I'm on to resilience and equanimity. Equini uh, resilience and equanimity is what's going on internally for you, yeah? Are you even keeled or, you, or are you someone that reacts quite, you know, uh, with little trigger? So the, having this time of mindfulness time, time for yourself that you can think on your own, have your own, you know, quality time where, you know, for some people it's going walking that gives them that inner time, inner reflection time. Do you have that inside and outside of work so that you have this emotional evenness so you don't get rocked really is easily by just something someone said to you? So it's our resilience plus our ability to bounce back. You know, do you have that? Yeah. So have a put down your rating. Is that um, one, two, three, four, five? How, how would you rate your inner strength or inner sense of calm? Um, inside and outside of work put that rating down now and I know for this one in particular it can be at a time of your life that that you're more able to do this so if you've got young children this is really hard to get quality time for you that you can do that in a work and this is where the energy one comes from and I think you know when you interact with someone that has uh, that energy that zaps you it's probably because they haven't looked within and uh, going back to that concept of know thyself know thyself in terms of what is it you need that's going to help you keep at your best and and for some people they um, haven't done the inner work they haven't looked within and reflected within um, in terms of what is it they really want you know what's really important to them so now I'm on to vitality and energy. And this one and balance and boundaries uh, is the ones that generally people think about well-being on or mental health. That's the other aspect of it. Um, and while I think of it, I'm going to flick back to authentic relationships and how this one also relates to being feeling psychologically safe at work and at home and and you'll all be aware of the ISO standard now around psychological safety and it's now becoming apparent for organizations they've got to do something about that yeah that that people feel that sense of belonging feeling that sense of being who they are and and feeling safe about doing that so let's let me bounce back to vitality and energy so this is the one where we actually allocate time to look after our physical health and our energy levels. So it, it's talking about things like our nutrition. Are we eating well? Are we exercising regularly? And I think it's we recently, it's like 30 minutes a day, every day is the standard now um, of exercise. And, and then do we get enough sleep? Most of us don't. Yeah, we're not tracking in that seven to nine hour bracket, many of us get much less. So to be able to have be charging on all cylinders at work, we've got to have those things in place and have them as a focus. And if I get back to the principles that, that I recently worked with, um, not only did they have COVID floods, um, bushfires, they also had mouse plagues um, and then the rebuilding of homes in their community. So they were 
they were sort of supporting their community, um, the grief that was still in the community after all those, those events. And it was generally this vitality and energy one and the balance and boundaries ones that got lost for them in looking after their own well-being because they were working round the clock. So rate yourself on vitality and energy. Where would you place yourself um, on each side? Do you have enough energy for the work you're doing? And are you, are you, these principles weren't even stopping for lunch. Yep. And uh, we're working incredibly long days. Um, and, and so they just didn't have the energy uh, to do their work well. So now we're on to balance and boundaries. Balance and boundaries is around, are you really clear of what's enough, what's okay in terms of the boundaries you put in place in terms of how much you work. And this is where it got all blurred in COVID. Yeah, those, for some, those balance and boundaries just went out the window and they were working a lot more than they ever had. Um, and for some uh, women in particular who, um, who were then responsible for um, homeschooling, that created a, 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 an angst for them around being able to do their own work. So balance and boundaries is knowing what's enough and not to the point I was at a few years ago of being a workaholic where I had no boundaries in place around that. And I was only coaching a woman yesterday who was talking about her sense of loyalty uh, to her organisation through to a role she'd commit, said she would commit to. But we, we dug a bit deeper and realised there wasn't this sense of loyalty to herself, you know, of her own boundaries and her own health. Um, uh, so it was an interesting conversation around have those boundaries blurred a bit for yourself but they haven't in terms of the organisation you're working for. Um, so rate yourself on balance and boundaries. Are you good at this? You know, are you good at being very clear uh, when you work, um, you know, when you can get certain things done by, um, you know, balancing that with all your other responsibilities? And then the last thing is intellectual engagement and flow. And what this means is, are we stimulated by the work that we're doing, doing? Are we really, you know, challenged to research more, to find out more, to be interested in that what we're doing? So we're, we're stimulated by the work that we're doing. And I was only talking to Sarah before you all came on around how self-learning has grown exponentially over the last couple of years. People learn through finding out themselves, you know, listening to a podcast, um, reading, uh, listening to an audio book. There's so much more self-learning that's happening that we're getting stimulated by. The flow piece is when we're not in the right fit role, it feels like we're watching the clock the whole time. When we're in flow, it's like time flies because we're totally absorbed in what we, we're doing. So where would you say you are? And this is only on the working well side at this point. Um, they're doing more research behind the scenes around whether it, it should be both sides. But at this point, it's only on the working well side. So please rate yourself. 
on the um, last one, intellectual engagement and flow. Okay, so I want you to then highlight which one are you going really well at, which is your highest. And I'd just like you to put it in the chat, which on the living well, working well, and is it authentic relationships? Is it meaning, purpose, um, and direction? Is it resilience and economy? Which, which you're really pleased about that you've really nailed and it's going really well. Let me see. Ah, Miranda, thank you. Vitality and energy. What about for others? Which one's your highest, highest score? And Miranda, so is that outside of work or both? Scott, meaning and purpose, lovely. Uh, just missed that person, authentic relationships. Where we, let me get down. Was Trevor, great. Katrina, intellectual engagement and flow, thank you. Resilience and equanimity, both, great. Thanks, Daniel. Um, Mainly outside of work. Thanks, Miranda. And authentic relationships, Melanie. Awesome. So what I would, in a moment, so each of those people that responded, I would like you to think about whether you would be okay for me to actually help unpack what it is that's going well um, so that we can have a conversation around this um, so hold that thought. You don't have to offer up right away. Um, I just want to show a few more slides before I get into demonstrating a coaching conversation around a particular area of your well-being. So why is this important? It matters because it actually delivers positive outcomes, not only for individuals, leaders and their teams, but the organisation, yeah? So it actually increases performance, satisfaction and happiness. If I think about myself in comparison to where I was two or three years ago, I don't think I was performing at my optimum. I was definitely not satisfied. I was exhausted and, and quite anxious and stressed and the happiness level was down as well. Yeah, but by focusing on it and getting into back into the work that I love, it's definitely improved. So what it also does is enhances managerial and leadership performance. So 50% increase in creativity and innovation, 40% increase in employee engagement, faster promotions, 16% better, better overall performance. 125% of less burnout and 46% people are more job satisfied. So there is a really good case for actually uh, focusing on well-being and focusing on well-being of leaders to start with. So let me show you how results would come out if you were to do this profile. They come out in a snapshot like this to start with. Um, so it's a bit of a traffic light system. And basically how it works is there's 121 questions in total for the whole thing. Um, on, and each side, there's 11 questions. So what you'll see here is the scores down the side is an 
average of the 11 questions that they answered. And the bar gives the range. Yeah. And the that line there is this mean, the average there that's gone there. Yeah. So what you can see here is there's some good stuff happening for Sam Sample. Um, authentic relationship seems like it's his the dimension that he's really good at. Yeah. So inside and outside of work. His meaning, purpose, and direction, he's got a lot of that happening out, inside, sort of at work. <laughs> and then there's some warning signals here around his energy, vitality and energy, and is he getting enough outside of work? And there seems to be a bit of a conflict in balance and boundaries on each side. So if I was to unpack this with Sam Sample, I would be focusing first and being what we call solution focused is focused on the good stuff first because there's some good stuff happening there. You can see from what I said in terms of these two, but also in resilience and equanimity, there's quite a few scores that have come up here for him to get that average there. Yes, definitely there's some lower scores, but there's some things that we can really build on here. Um, and then there's some things that may need a bit of attention, yeah, ba based on this. And what I like about this tool is that it sticks with people. And when I check in with them six months later, it's amazing what stayed with them. And they're able to recall this quite easily um, rather than some, some um, profiles are quite complex. So... Your turn. I want to work with one of you who put up in the chat uh, of a particular area that was going um, really well. And um, if you were uh, warmed up for me to unpack how come um, and be open to share that with the rest of the group, could you put a yes in the chat box now so I can, can have a free coaching conversation with me now around what is it that's working? Miranda, you're first up, you have said yes. So um, thank you very much for saying that. Um, if you could, Sarah, if you could bring Miranda on now, that would be wonderful. Right, <clears throat> yeah, just a moment, I think I've done it. I hope that's okay, Miranda. So Miranda, if you could put your video on, that would be wonderful. I'm not really sure how to do that, but anyway. <laughs> so your video um, down the bottom left panel, down yes. the bottom, is start video, if you could press that. Start video. I've got the mute, uh, the microphone. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yes. Right cool. next to that is the start video. I've just got a little arrow and we've got select a microphone, select a speaker, but there's nothing about video. It's all audio. Okay, no worries. We'll go with your sorry. audio. Okay, let's go with you. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Not a problem. So um, Miranda, yours was, remind me. 
It was the Vitality one, the um, uh, Vitality and Energy. Fabulous. Okay. So can you share with me what is it that you are doing that's working for you in terms of vitality and energy? What have you got in place in terms of your exercise, healthy Mm -hmm. eating, sleeping, enough Mm. Yeah, so each each day um, I try to do some exercise. So it's mainly walking. Mm-hmm. Um, so my day starts quite early. Um, I get up at five o'clock every day. I'm out the door by five thirty. I go for a walk for about an hour to an hour and a half. Wow! Um, and then I come back and um, sort of it's all systems go and for getting the family ready for school and then I'm to work by 8 30 and I feel energized um ready to go for the day that walk allows me to sort of like think about nothing nice and you know I just listen to the birds and take in nature um try and focus on what's around me rather than what's going on inside my head (laughs) so it just gives me a little bit of clear clear perspective on you know just just being I suppose in that moment really and not really letting any thoughts, any negative thoughts creep in and just setting myself up for the day. Um, Plus I've got a walking buddy that comes with me probably, you know, 40% of the time. So we just talk about, you know, everyday stuff. Yep. Uh, Have a laugh, you know, have a few giggles along the way, talk rubbish, (laughs) (laughs) talk dribble dribble if we want to. So that, have you been doing that long in terms of this morning routine you have? I've been doing it now for probably, it's about 10 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and what made you start that? Um, I had a friend that was um, on a health journey and this is what she'd been doing. And we don't see each other a great deal, but the last couple of times I bumped into her, I was like, wow, what are you doing? You you know, you look really great. You seem really energised. And she said that she'd been doing the walking along with some uh, raw eating. So I've changed my diet as well. Right. And yeah, yeah. So I've changed my diet to mainly raw eating. Okay. And um, I'm feeling so much better. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And, and so what difference is this making to you at work by having this morning routine, shifting the way you're eating? What difference is that making? I feel a lot more alert. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And what, what would your colleagues notice about you? Good question. Maybe I should ask them. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. were to guess what they've noticed about you in the last 10 weeks? Oh, probably a little bit more focused. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And what about your boss? Yeah, I would think that she, hopefully she would think the same. Okay. And I'm curious, Miranda, what happens at the end of the day once you've finished work? Um, What's in place at the end? Is there enough? (laughs) yeah the the end of the day is a little bit different because I go home it's a little bit more hectic uh you know getting meals ready for the family and doing chores and that type of thing my my days are quite busy from start to finish so um yeah I feel quite comfortable when I come to work I've probably been in the same place as yourself 
right. um, at some point in my life and that had to stop, you know. Um, as, as somebody said to me, you've got to care less. It doesn't mean to say that you don't care, but you've got to care less a little bit about yes. some things and more about yourself. Yes, very wise. Yeah. And I'm curious, Miranda, sleep, has that changed? Um, sometimes I don't get a great deal of sleep, mm -hmm. um, but the quality of sleep, I would say, now I've got a Fitbit, I can actually <laughs> track that. Um, so, yeah, so when I first started this 10-week program, I was surprised how little sleep I was actually getting. I always thought that I was getting a solid eight hours every night. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, I was probably getting about six and a half hours sleep. Right. Yeah, but now I'm probably between, um, yeah, seven to seven and a half hours uh, sleep a night. Okay, so you've shifted. Which is, yeah, much better. And what's made the biggest difference to your sleep? I think just the exercise and the eating, to be, to be truthful, because I'm not really um, get, getting to bed any earlier in the evenings. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just think that maybe I'm more susceptible to, yeah, the sleep rather than, I don't know, maybe just those those changes in the body, the, the, the biological and psychological changes maybe are more sort of receptive to sleep. Yeah. Mm. So what are you going to keep doing given this wonderful progress that you've made and of, you know, this morning routine of walking for an hour or so, um, mm. getting to work at 8.30, um, um, having that buddy, walking buddy there 40% of the time and, and you've been consistent at it for 10 weeks mm. um, and the impact that the, the raw eating has had on your sleep and being more alert. What's the next small step that you, you might take in terms of your overall well-being? Definitely need to sort out the house chores. Okay. <laughs> the, the household uh, work needs to uh, be a lot more balanced, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's a big issue for me because I do do a lot. Um, uh, I do do a lot for everyone within the family. And that's recently started to change as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I've got two teenage children. Yeah. yeah um, one's almost an adult um, and in the last year of school and I've always got up and done lunches for everyone, you know, and I was like, my God, I'm just, you know, I'm burning out here <laughs> before I've even started my day. So, um, yeah, I've, I've relinquished that and you know what, if they don't get up in time, well, they have to rush ah. and, get it and then get it ready themselves. So... It sounds like that boundary um, dimension is coming into play now around you're, you're not over-functioning anymore. You're enabling them to take the consequences. Yeah, that's right. And it has been hard to let go of that because um, there's been a few morning tantrums. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I've just had to stick with it for my own well-being. Certainly. It sounds like mm. you've made some progress there. So what's been useful from our conversation? Yeah, it just it is a very reflective process, um, the coaching process. 
Mm. Um, definitely makes you think about what you can do next as well. Like, you know, it's sort of like, well, we've done all this. You're doing great in that. Mm. So now, now what do you want to move on to? Yeah. So I hadn't really thought about that, to be truthful. Um, yeah, so what's the next challenge, I guess, is what I've taken away from that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for kindly volunteering for this conversation. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very so, much. Um, everyone else give her a virtual round of applause. <laughs> there is a reaction button you can um, and give her a, a clapping hands um, for her contribution. So thanks, Miranda. You've done the hard work now, so you can... Thanks, um, Annette. Thank you. ...send your sound off. Yeah. So... What I've done with um, Miranda is really use this solution-focused approach, yeah, which is helping her to notice the useful change so she can do more of it, yeah, and build upon that. But often what we do when we, we focus on change, we focus on what's not working rather than what is working. Um, thank you, Susan. Yeah, and a few claps there for you, Miranda. So yes, I, I show this slide because apparently our hamstrings are one of those muscles that don't have muscle memory. So every day we should be doing this stretch and particularly because we sit so much. Um, so I'd, I'd put it out there as a challenge how you can um, have your hamstrings stretched each day and see if you can get further and further down to touch the floor. So I was listening to a podcast this morning um, and this is an awesome book called Atomic Habits and James Clear was talking about our habits um, don't have and there's a lot of, he was saying there's a lot of research that says it takes 21 days to form a habit and he says no actually it's not about 20 it's it's a lifetime it takes to form a habit um, and it's the small things we do that we put into place that will help it maintain being a habit. And a bit like what Miranda said, this morning routine seems to work for her at that time of day to do that. Yeah. And he was describing, James Clear, that the quality of our lives will be determined by our small habits. Yeah. So we don't have to take giant leaps in terms of our well-being. Um, but the, putting some small things in place. And I remember, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Martin Seligman, who um, was the main theorist behind positive psychology, saying, don't think about flossing all your teeth. Form a habit of flossing one tooth and you're more likely to stick to that, you know, rather than leaping to the, the finished um, goal line. Um, and James Clear also says, you don't rise to the level of goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So what is it you want to put into place that's going to really help your well-being? Um, and it's the little actions that will form the systems, not having that big goal that you're moving towards. So what questions do you have given what we have been talking about today in terms of well-being and leaders taking care of their own well-being. Any questions emerge, Sarah, that you saw? Not yet. Or if anyone would like to ask one, please put it in 
the chat. Nope, that is fine. I will just finish off then if there's no one wants to ask a question. So how can you be a leader of the future? Well, the first thing is, is put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah, and it's looking after your own well-being first before then you can look after the well-being of others. And I love this that's uh, from the company that, that administers the Global Leadership Wellbeing Survey. They talk about learn at first for leaders to learn their own well-being, what's important for them, to live that, then to lead that before you can embed it. So what will be your next small step action around your own well-being? Think of one of those dimensions. What's a small step that you can take that's going to help shift your well-being even just up a notch? Yeah, if you could write that in the chat now, what's your very small step action that you're going to take to um, start forming a habit? Just write it in the chat. Small step action. <laughs> ah, Katrina, learn one new fact today. Start morning exercise. Thanks, Tamsi. Uh, get to bed on time. Yes, it's main. It's interesting how that can be a vicious cycle in terms of what happens in our day if we don't get enough sleep, more sleep. Yes, Narelle, thank you. So how you can get um, get 30 minutes. Yeah, that, that's not a lot extra, is it, Trevor, getting 30 minutes extra? The way you can connect with me is um, through LinkedIn um, or um, I also do a monthly newsletter that is, talks about coaching and well-being and, um, and solution focus. Um, I work with leaders one-to-one -one and to support their well-being. Um, I also help leaders learn to use a coaching style by the my leaders coach program I also do mentoring programs in organizations which I'm doing a lot of uh, recently and I also do team and group coaching when there's a new strategy or a new approach that you want to get momentum in so that's that's the way you can connect with me later uh, but also you can actually just scan that now and it'll go straight to my LinkedIn and so the first person to connect can have a free 30-minute coaching session on their well-being. Um, so once I look at my phone and see who's first one, I will let you know. Uh, but a big thank you for your interaction today and uh, allowing me to share what I, I love, which is um, coaching and well-being. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Annette. That was really good. Um, um, yeah, great. We'll send the video out later in the podcast and also your contact details. So thank you everyone for joining us and we'll see you hopefully next week. Bye. Thanks, Sarah.